0: Or just better now. That's all you
2: can say. Welcome to the Blog the Dogs podcast. I'm Herschel Gurley, here as always with my co-host, Boss Dog, Boss bark at the People.
3: Welcome back, everyone. Hope you all enjoyed the last couple podcasts. Today we have another interview guest for y'all, former UGA All-American punter Drew Butler.
2: Yeah, we were very thankful to have Drew come on the program and chat with us. He has a very compelling, I think, Georgia origin story and one I had not read or heard before, so I think everybody will enjoy that. If you are not already, please make sure and check out his podcast that he does with Aaron Murray, the Punt and Pass podcast. Drew has been piloting that and putting out some fantastic content during all this pandemic. The Quarantine Chronicles, if you've been following him on Twitter, a lot of great guests, a lot of great content. Uh, Just does a very good job with that. So please give him a follow on Twitter, at Drew Butler, and give the podcast a follow, at Punt and Pass. Same thing on Instagram, give him a follow, at Drew Butler, and the uh, podcast a follow, at Punt and Pass. So lots of interesting and compelling content coming for you in this interview. And without further ado, here is former Georgia punter, Drew Butler. We are thrilled today to have Drew Butler with us. Drew is a 2012 UGA grad. He has a degree in telecommunications from the Grady School of Journalism. He obviously had a fantastic career at UGA as a punter, was there from 2007 to 2011, multiple All-SEC honors, two-time first-team All-American, two-time first-team academic All-American, Ray Guy award winner for the best punter in the nation, Uh, had a pro career with stop in Pittsburgh with the Steelers, the Bears, the Lions, and then finished his career with the Cardinals. He is currently the co-host of the Punt and Pass podcast, which we love here. And he is also a proud father of two and husband. And uh, Drew, welcome to the program.
1: Thrilled to be here, man. Hope everybody's staying safe and staying healthy. Thanks for having me.
2: Yeah, yeah. No problem at all. So uh, March... Big month for you. A lot going on in the country, but huge month for Drew Butler. Six year wedding anniversary and yeah, a brand man. new daughter. So congratulations on both of those things. Thank you. Yeah. It uh
1: it was fast and furious. Obviously, we're having to deal with everything with the pandemic. And you know, unfortunately, we haven't really been around our family that much, but very thankfully Jackie, my wife, is healthy and Kara. Our newborn daughter is healthy as well. Our two year old daughter, almost two year old daughter Bridget. She's been fantastic at home too. So we've started of this journey as parents of two just locked up in our house two on two so it's been a lot of fun but again thankfully everybody's healthy so we're just kind of chomping at the bit waiting to get outside and have some fun and some normalcy
2: yeah I totally get that well at least you're still in the man-to-man defense my wife and I have yeah. four so we've we've switched to the to the triangle and one a little bit
1: <laughs> I can't imagine I can't imagine I mean that's just uh it's
2: two one to two has been
1: okay so far two to three might be a little bit
2: different ball game for sure yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, we tried to get our third child and we got a bonus baby. We had twins. there you go. So there you go. congratulations. Um, it happened fast. Yeah. Uh, well, Hey, we just wanted to kind of hear first off, just about your story. I know you're, you're Georgia born and raised, obviously your dad, Kevin played at UGA and then went on and played with the bears. What was it like growing up? I mean, I'm pretty sure from what I've read, you were a big dogs fan growing up, big bears fan growing up. What role did sports play in your life as as a kid and into being a teenager?
1: Oh, just a huge role. I mean, I'm a sports junkie. I always have been. Growing up with my dad playing for the Chicago Bears, I was obsessed with the Bears. I loved football. I really loved golf, too. And I was obsessed on the statistics side, the analytical side. I just absolutely loved studying the games, studying the rosters, knowing what was going on. Never played football, though. That's kind of the unique thing. I never played football until my sophomore year of high school. Uh, I went to a brand new high school in Swanee, Georgia, called Peachtree Ridge, And freshman year, I was on the golf team, um, and I played golf all four years. But freshman year, the first year the school was open, they had lost a couple of games because they didn't have a kicker who could kick an extra point. They were losing by these wacky scores, trying to go for too late, couldn't close the gap, and they finished 1-9. and And I remember sitting with my dad, and I said, Dad, you know what? I mean, I can kick an extra point. I always used to fool around with my dad. I played soccer, obviously, so when he would kick, I'd go out there and kick as well and my dad kind of perked up in his seat really you're going to you're going to go play football I was like yeah I mean I think I can and he simply said well the only rule is is if you're going to go try out uh, you can't have a bad day and quit. You have to give it 100%. I mean, we have to have a long-term plan to try to figure out if you really want to do this or not. So one led to two, and and I just continued to work really hard at it. Uh, funny story, sophomore year of high school, a linebacker who was a punter got hurt, so they threw me in. I started to punt, and um, it just naturally happened where I was a better punter than I was a kicker. Uh, we won the state championship our senior year, still best friends with a ton of those guys at Peachtree Ridge. They still have a great program in 6A and Gwinnett County, So just a crazy story, but, you know, love football, love Georgia football. We moved back to Georgia in 1999 when my dad was done playing. So, you know, growing up in the Atlanta area, being around Athens, I just, Athens and Georgia has a very special place in my heart. My sister graduated from there. My mom graduated from there. Saturdays are very special, always will be.
2: So that's, that's so interesting. I had no idea. So your first kind of exposure to playing competitive football was not until high school and hadn't been a punter, hadn't trained yeah. to do that. None of those things, huh? No,
1: not at all. I mean, again, I knew how to kick just because I would be out there and practice with my dad when he would kick. I, so I had the fundamentals down and I played soccer growing up and I actually quit soccer to focus on golf in high school because in Georgia, they're both in the same spring season. So uh, just golf my freshman year of high school and then turned around in sophomore year played football and golf for the next three years, but really that big jump junior year, I kind of grew up a little bit. I was getting taller. I was getting bigger, you know, really starting to take it more seriously. And then junior to senior year, was when I really kind of honed in my abilities. Again, we were a brand new high school, so a lot of colleges were coming out just trying to see if we had any talent. And Sure enough, we did. Cameron Hayward, classmate of mine at Peachtree Ridge, we were both team captains. Uh, He's a captain for the Steelers now. Pro Bowl or just an unbelievable talent. We've had about four or five guys from Peachtree Ridge make it to the NFL now and play on Sundays, which has been awesome.
2: So take us through what it looked like when you're a junior and senior and Coach Rick and his staff are coming. What other schools were you looking at? What other schools were interested in them? What led to your eventual destination being Athens? Or based on what you've told us, was there a choice in your mind if they offered? Was that where you wanted to be all along? It's just, it's so crazy
1: to think back on this. I mean, we're talking 2005, 2006, the recruiting landscape was just so wildly different, especially for kickers and punters. It was almost non-existent. Some of the camps that you follow now were starting to get big. I didn't really do any of the camps though, because I had worked with my dad. You know, my dad was my coach. I didn't necessarily have to go travel around to find the right technique and find the right coaching. So we started to pinpoint some schools or some opportunities to get in front of coaches. The Ray Guy camps would come around Atlanta. I'd go to those, went to those before my junior year, went to those before my senior year. Uh, And then before my senior year, I started looking at specific schools. I didn't get my first offer until extremely late. We made a nice playoff run my senior year, and Duke had offered me right towards the end of my senior year. Wake Forest had offered me as well, and Georgia just wanted me to walk on. I mean, I totally understood it. They had had success with walk-on kickers and punters in the past, but I loved Duke. I really did. Coach Ted Roof, who is a very successful coach in his own right, was has been at Auburn, a great defensive coordinator. He was the head coach there, and uh, I still talk to Coach Roof this day. It's really funny. we have a great relationship. I was going to go to Duke. I was obsessed with it. I was like, why? And I kind of had the foresight. Why would I pass up a $300,000 academic scholarship to walk on at Georgia? And I love Georgia. I really did. So we just kind of played hardball. I mean, I went on my official visit, I think two weeks before signing day. And, um, you know, coach Johnson, David Johnson was the tight ends coach at the time, did a lot with special teams. Coach Bobo recruited me, coach Martinez, coach Richt, and, um, they just wanted me to walk on. And I kind of left saying, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know, I need a scholarship. Funny enough, Cameron Hayward, my teammate at Peachtree Ridge did not go to Georgia. He went to Ohio state, Eric Berry did not go to Georgia. He went to Tennessee. Allen Bailey went to Miami. So all of these super high profile guys, five stars, four stars that they had targeted did not go to Georgia. Lo and behold, at the end of the recruiting cycle, they had a couple of uh, extra scholarships and I played my cards, right? So they offered me a scholarship really late. I committed on the spot. That's where I wanted to be. And my wife and I talk about it. I don't know what would have happened if I went to Duke. It would have been totally different.
2: Yeah, that's so interesting. So I played college baseball at William and Mary and I had a yeah. somewhat similar story. I was going go try, go try. That's right. Yeah. So I was I, brief, brief cut in here. Was your long snapper with the Cardinals, Mike Leach by any chance? Mike Leach, that's my guy. I
1: love Mike Leach, and uh, you know, Coach Tomlin was a William and Mary guy as well. Sean McDermott, there's a lot of William and Mary guys in the NFL. Yeah,
2: big tree. You know, that's where Coach Coach Levy got his start. Coach Holtz got his start there. He was actually the golf and football coach at William and Mary, Uh, so a lot lot of connections there. But um, I have an affinity for long snappers because uh, I was a quarterback in high school, but I was also a long snapper, so it was quite the interesting thing. Usually, the quarterback runs out the hold hold kicks for, for field goals. And I go out and and snap the ball. So (laughs) I'm always happy to hear about the snappers, but I wanted to know that Oh seven year. So that was the run to the sugar bowl with, Mm -hmm. with Matt Stafford, no Sean Moreno. That defense was just, I mean, just annihilated people. So you redshirted the first year then, is that right? Yeah, I
1: was in a heated competition with Brian Mims heading into that season because Mims was a walk on punter. He was behind Gordon Neely Kelso and they had signed me. So Coach Johnson just had simply said in Coach Rick, too, hey, this is a wide open competition. And uh, we were neck and neck all through camp. I felt really good about how I was kicking the ball. Um, and they went with Mims. They went with the guy with more experience. And Brian had two great years. So about the fourth or fifth game of the season, I want to say it was around the Tennessee game, they were going to go travel. And they didn't uh, They said, hey, we're going to rest church. You. you know, we, you don't need to travel. So yeah, I was kind of bummed, but Brian had two great seasons at Georgia, um, and then I had a good enough spring, my redshirt freshman year, to where I did some kicking in 2008. I think I had like four or five punts in a pooch punter position just to get some opportunity and some game time before I would take over in 2009. So um, yeah, I was behind Mims, redshirted in '07, so I didn't travel to the Florida game, um, which was a huge bummer. But that team was truly, truly special. It was awesome.
2: And Drew, this is my co-host, Boss. What's up, Boss?
3: How's it going?
1: I'm great, man. Thank you guys for having me.
3: Glad to have you on. You have a wildly impressive collegiate career. Academic All-American 2010-2011, Ray Guy Award winner 2009, All-American 2009-2010, All-SEC all- though only in 2009. So how are you first team All-SEC 2009, but you were managed to be first team All-American 2009-2010, but not All-Conference in 2010? How does that end up happening? So it's funny.
1: Yeah. You know, in 2009, I won the Ray Guy Award. I was first team All-SEC, All-American. And Chaz Henry from Florida was second team All-SEC, All-American. So in 2010, we flipped. Uh, he was 2010 Ray Guy Award winner, 2010 first team All SEC. I was 2010 second team All SEC, but I actually got nabbed. At a couple of teams named me first team All American. In 2009, I was unanimous All American first team, so I got named first on all teams. Uh, and then 2010, I snuck in a couple of teams as well. So, uh, yeah, Chaz was great, man. We used to have some unbelievable battles. Down uh, in Jacksonville, he was a great punter. And then obviously in 2010 is when he was the field goal kicker as well because their kicker was injured and he made that game winner in overtime.
3: So tell us a little bit about your playing career. You know, registered in 07. So you were on 08 through 11 teams. So you were on the 2011 team that went to the SEC championship game against LSU. And then after that, tell us a little bit about your pro playing career. So 2012 through 2016? Yeah, that's correct. Um, Yeah, first off, 2011 was very interesting because in
1: 2010, we weren't that good, unfortunately. You know, we went 6-7. We lost to Central Florida in the Liberty Bowl. And a lot of people were kind of questioning, is Coach Rick still got it at Well, we started 2011 with two straight losses. We were 0 2. Lost to Boise State in the Georgia Dome Chick fil A kickoff classic. Lost to South Carolina. It was getting pretty loud. You know, we honestly didn't know what was going to happen. Sure enough, the leadership of that team really came together. We had a strong senior leadership and a lot of talent on that team. We won 10 games in a row. We won the SEC East and we made it to the SEC Championship. Played, obviously, number one LSU. They were awesome. Everybody remembers that game. Started off really hot. I kicked it to Honey Badger, who was my teammate in Arizona. He housed it before halftime, and kind of the route was on. So a special season for sure, because we got Georgia back to the Georgia Dome. It had been a while. Because remember, in 2007, we didn't go to the SEC Championship. Tennessee represented the East. Um, Heading into my rookie year, got signed by the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wasn't drafted. Won that competition. Started all 16 games my rookie year made it onto the team in 2013, got cut right before the first game. Pretty interesting. I won the training camp battle. I had made the team. My wife had moved from New York to Pittsburgh. We were getting ready. I felt really good. I felt like I was about to have a long career with the Steelers, got cut before the first game, bounced around that year, and then landed with the Arizona Cardinals, which was just a huge blessing. Played three seasons for the Arizona Cardinals. We won the NFC West in 2015, made it to the NFC Championship game, lost to the Carolina Panthers, turned around 2016, had huge expectations, just such a great team. I mean, that 2015 Cardinals team, I would say was one of the most fun times I've ever had playing football. We were 13 and three, just kicking teams' asses. I mean, there is no better feeling than walking in on Sunday and just beating teams by 20, 30 points in the NFL, knowing that you guys are going to have a chance to make a deep run in the playoffs. So that was really fun. Still great friends with a lot of guys on those teams um, and a lot of coaches as well. A lot of those guys are now down in Tampa Bay uh, under Bruce Arians with the uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, you know, played five years in the NFL. Wish I could have played ten totally happy with my career. And now we're back home in Atlanta with my family. So it's been awesome.
2: Yeah. So I read somewhere that when the Honey Badger was on the team with you in Arizona, he used to bust his chops all the time about the kick return in the SEC title game and all Because I think that's what a lot of people forget about that game is, you know, LSU, much like this year, came in very heavily favored. It it seemed like it was going to be this David versus Goliath type match. And really, the dogs come out in the first half and just put a whooping on them. I mean, what'd they have 12 yards of total offense or something like that? Uh, It it was crazy. And I I think I'd seen the same article. You'd say, you know, Georgia should have been up three scores at halftime. We had a couple drop touchdown passes in the first half, but then man, they just came like a wrecking ball in the second half. It was just wild. But it's funny how the world works out where guys are adversaries in college and then get together in the NFL and kind of can joke with each other about all those type things. So,
1: No question. Yeah.
2: I read that you know, what you're doing now, doing punt and pass stuff, st- talking about sports, this is not something that came for you after your career. This is something that you started doing um, with UJsports.com in 2012. Is that right?
1: Yeah, that's right. You know, obviously I graduated with a journalism degree. I've always loved TV and radio. I wanted to be a broadcast journalism major, but as a football player back then you couldn't because you had to work for News Source, which is Grady UGA's uh, news station. So you couldn't do that in the fall, obviously, because you have practice and games. And in the spring, you've got spring practice, you've got match drills, just doesn't work out schedule wise. I graduated with a telecom degree, which is the business side of radio and TV. They don't even offer that anymore. I think it's called mass media. But I have always always loved TV and radio sports media, um, and, and I had a great relationship with a lot of the guys who were covering the team, specifically Roddy Nabolsi, who's the publisher of Sports.com. But when I was uh, bouncing around the NFL, I was trying to really look into some opportunities to maybe get started, and the biggest thing that was held against me is that I was a punter. I mean, it didn't matter that I had a journalism degree. didn't matter that I knew what the hell I was talking about. People would literally hold that against me. So I had a meeting with an agent, a broadcasting agent, and he kind of said the same thing. He was like, look, you need to get a resume going. You need to prove that you can do this. I said, okay. So I reached out to some people and I reached out to Roddy. I said, I'd love to help. He had kind of asked me as well in passing, if you ever wanted to help, just reach out to me. So I asked him if I could, I started writing pregame previews and postgame reviews for UGASports.com in 2014 while I was still playing for the Arizona Cardinals. And then in 2015 and in 2014, I hosted Dog Dial, which is UGASports.com syndicated radio show. I think broadcast on about 30 stations statewide across the Southeast. So I did that for two years while I was playing, it was a lot of fun. I got great feedback from the fans. And um, it kind of led me to podcasting because I kind of saw the writing on the wall. In 2016, I was doing a Facebook live show, which was a lot of fun. I called it dog's dish. And I, I really enjoyed that just spontaneously. I used to do it once, twice a week. And then after a couple of games when I had the time, but then I saw a huge opportunity. I was like, you know what? podcasting is the wave of the future. And I had developed the idea for punt and pass without even talking to Aaron Murray. I was like, I just want to know if he'd do it. You know, I'm going to create this idea, go to him about it. Him and I had spent like three weeks together in Arizona. He was on the Cardinals practice squad in 2016. I want to say he was back in Atlanta. And I said, Hey man, I got something I want to talk to you about. I had no idea that he had already signed a deal with CBS. So he checked with CBS, um, the sports network, they said, yeah, you're good to go. Yeah. And just by luck, you know, that's when Georgia started off 10 and 0. They were the number one ranked team in the nation. Our numbers went way up and um, we'll surpass a million downloads here probably in the next few weeks. So it's been a lot of fun. I, I really just enjoy it. It's a ton of fun.
2: Oh, that's awesome to hear. Well, congratulations on the on hitting the million mark. That, that's massive. Thank you, man. The theme too, hadn't, hadn't Aaron kind of co-hosted on Dog's Dish with you when you were with the Cardinals a couple of times, kind of come on down like a guest spot with you a few times as well?
1: Yeah, you know, I would just ask guys, hey, can you come on? I had Steven Garcia on from South Carolina. Murray would jump on. You know, I even reached out to Ronald Ali, the guy, Ronald Ali from um, Last Chance U because Georgia played Nickel State and he was there, so he came on. I mean, it's just fun, you know, and guys I think understand me being a former player. I'm not going to bust chops. I'm not going to ask any gotcha questions. I just want to know what's going on. I think I can bring a relatable aspect to them to deliver to the fans. So I've been very fortunate in that regard for sure.
2: So what is that like for y'all now as, I'm always curious about this with former players, obviously you have a kinship with the university and the program because you've spent so much time and energy and put so much passion into it as an undergrad. But then what is it like now to be, you know, a dad of two and a husband, have your own family and consume it as a fan and and take your family back to Sanford and to Athens? Can you just talk on that a little bit?
1: Yeah, I mean, first off, taking the family back to Athens, there's nothing more special. Um, and, and I think Coach Smart, it's not that Coach Rick didn't, because Coach Rick was awesome. I've got nothing but great things to say about him. But Coach Smart has done such a phenomenal job of welcoming alumni, welcoming Letterman, making sure that they feel like they belong. And and I think that probably because he is one. you know. And, and Letterman's weekend, which unfortunately got canceled, which is spring game weekend, is so much fun. You get to reconnect with so many guys, and they've really made it about... The Letterman, right? I'm talking about it's not about, hey, let's go mingle with the current players. Let's go, you know, sit down and pay to have a, you know, a gala type dinner. No, it's like, hey, coaches are going to come. The Letterman are going to come. We're going to hang out. We're going to eat dinner and have a great time. Like, that's the real camaraderie that's built around it. I feel like there's a real sense of family around Georgia football, which is absolutely awesome. And then as far as just taking it in, I mean, I'm a huge fan. Obviously, I like to think of the things realistically, but it's fun now because Georgia's really good. I mean, that's the best thing. So your expectations are super high. Um, and you can enjoy 11 wins and not be happy about it. Like all most of us were last year. So things would have been totally different if I was a letterman back in 2009, 10, when, you know, we're going six and seven or whatnot, but, uh, it's just, it's just really fun. Um, and it's great to see the progress that Georgia's made, how they're really in that arms race for the top collegiate program in America. I think there's no better place than Athens.
2: So, Boston, I want to ask you about this because you know we've been known on occasion to to lay a wager on a game or two, and so we love on on the on the, oh, yeah. the podcast podcast when y'all when y'all do picks against the spread. So, what's that been like? Is that is that kind of a fun part for y'all, just as as a leisure activity on, on the podcast? Because we love that piece of it. Yeah, certainly.
1: You know, I just, again, going back to enjoying sports media and sports in general, I've really enjoyed sports gambling as well, especially with kind of the transition towards it being legal across most of the United States. I I just love the numbers. I love the breakdowns. I love NFL too. I mean, it's just so hard and so fun. And then waking up on Saturday, sprinkling a little bit of dough across the board, staying involved. I mean, if you look at the numbers right? Even if you put like $5 on a game, your percentage of you watching the majority of that game is like 95%. I mean, even if it's a Tuesday night Mac game, I mean, that's what happens when you do it. It just really gives you an opportunity if if you can do it responsibly. That's the biggest thing. I just love doing it. So it is a lot of fun. I was good this year. I was uh, over 60% which was pretty stellar. I just need to have more conviction. Actually, taking the four or five games that we do each week and rolling with it. Too many times I second guess myself, and I guess that's what any gambler does for sure.
2: So, boss is a weekly parlay man. So, give give boss your best parlay advice. Oh
1: no. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't do them
2: that's the best
1: advice don't do them i mean i'll 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 mess around every now and then but yikes i mean it's funny because you mess around on those websites you start punching numbers and you're like oh sweet i can that, i'll hit i'll make a ton of money no never happens
3: it's tough it's very tough I'm about once a year. I hit once a year. That's my goal. Yeah. Go.
2: Well, so Drew, we close all our interviews. We do the Smart 16, which is kind of our rapid fire interview set. So, we're going to we're going to roll with you on that.
1: Yeah, please. Let's do it.
2: So, the first question is what what's your middle name?
1: My middle name is Joseph. So, my full name is Andrew Joseph Butler. Andrew is my mom's dad's name and Joseph is my dad's dad's name.
3: Who is the funniest teammate?
1: Funniest teammate. You know, Brian Evans was just absolutely hilarious, a defensive back. DBs across the board are always the funniest, whether you're in high school, college, or in the NFL. Those guys have unbelievable senses of humor. So I'm going to roll with Brian Evans. That dude used to make me die laughing.
2: What's your favorite game that you played in as a dog?
1: Favorite game? It's a good question. You know, beating Florida in 2011 was awesome. Kind of getting on the right side of that was really significant, especially because we had lost three in a row. But the other one too that always sticks out, Coach Rick's 100th victory inside Neyland Stadium. That was a lot of fun for that senior class for sure. What about your favorite rivalry? Favorite rivalry? You know, Florida obviously is... is Great. But I love the Georgia Tech rivalry. I do. You know, Growing up in Atlanta, I hate Georgia Tech. My wife's brother went to Tech. My sister's husband went to Tech. My younger sister's boyfriend went to Tech. They're all losers. I love beating up on Georgia Tech and then making fun <laughs> of all of them.
2: <laughs> what is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Favorite away stadium, you know, it's always
1: such a bummer to say that you never got a chance to play in the swamp. I really wish that somehow they would work that in. I did get to play inside Tiger Stadium, LSU. That was awesome. I got to go with Neyland though. You know, when Tennessee's good and there's a lot of like a lot of electricity around that atmosphere. I mean, that is a special place to play. So I'll go with Neyland Stadium.
2: Yeah, I love Neyland too because it has that unique element of sitting on the water and they have the vile navy and everything. You're right. That that is a that's a cool one.
3: What's the loudest home game you ever played in?
1: Loudest home game? Oh, Auburn blackout 2007. When we ran out with those black jerseys, I mean, that was was electric. That was really special for sure.
2: When you're mixing it up at at tailgates now, now that you're a fan and a former player, what is your go-to tailgate food? Go-to tailgate food. You know, I love buffalo wings. I love wings for
1: sure. But, you know, tailgate, I think like you got to have Zaxby's, right? You got to have Zaxby's chicken fingers there. You rip through like 30 of them, no problem. couple of cold beers, couple of cocktails. That's, <laughs> that's
3: easy work. What about the cocktail you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party?
1: You know, I think this one's weather dependent. You know, if it's hot, sometimes it's hot. Sometimes it's pretty cool that time of year. If it's hot, you know, vodka soda, Tito's soda for sure. And if it's cooler... You got to get a little bit of that brown water going, throw some whiskey and some Diet Coke or something, get the juices flowing for that game for sure.
2: But what is your favorite place to eat in Athens? If y'all are back in Athens for one meal, what's the place that you go? This is easy for me.
1: I love the Royal Peasant. Okay. The Royal Peasant is in five points. It is my favorite pub in the world. I must go. If I'm in Athens for a meeting, if I go catch a practice, if I'm even driving through Athens, my wife knows. I'm stopping at the Royal Peasant. There's absolutely no chance that I'm not going to go there. Shout out to Ivan and Mike. Those guys are the best. Their lamb burger there. It's the best burger I've ever had. It changes up. They got unbelievable beer selection. They should put me on the payroll because I pump them up anytime I can. The Royal Peasant right there in five points.
3: What were your game day superstitions?
1: Yeah, you know, it's tough. Superstitions, like you can get, you can try to say, well, they're routines, they're not superstitions. You know, I'd always put fresh shoelaces in my in my cleats. I had always done that, um, and I chew gum. I have a really weird gum chewing routine, so I guess that's it. You know, I put pieces in when I go into the locker room pregame, then I'll always be chewing them before. My first punt. So if we weren't punting and we were just kicking field goals and I was holding, I always used to have a, a big-ass wad of bubble gum in my mouth. But first punt had to come out, so that's that's one of them for sure.
2: What's the go-to gum? Uh, Wrigley
1: Spearmint. Love it. Really because every locker room had it. It's weird. Even in uh, colleges and NFL, I don't know if Wrigley would provide them or not, but there'd be Big Red Spearmint
2: and I think Juicy
1: Fruit like in tubs. So I used to just pound Wrigley Spearmint every Saturday or Sunday.
2: Oh, I love that. That's fantastic. How about your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition? So whether it's a Lone Trumpet, redcoat Marching Band spelling Georgia, Larry Munson coming over the airwaves to kind of bring everybody in right before kickoff, what's your favorite?
1: Yeah, it's got to be the Munson montage. That's awesome. One, because my dad's kick is in at the 60-yarder against Clemson. That just always gives me chills. I mean, even you saying that, hearing Munson come over with the Lone Trumpet, I mean, that is that's really special. So I'll, I'll go with that one for sure.
3: Black jerseys. Yes or no? Yeah, but you just got to use
1: them. I mean, they're so cool. I feel like the mystique needs to be taken away from them. Pick a game, announce it before the season. You know, don't make it this thing that it's not, it's, it's not. I mean, look, we played Alabama. We got our ass beat. Who cares? Let's just go ahead and move forward. They look sweet. The recruits love them. Let's wear them. I, I, I'm definitely a yes on the white jerseys.
2: What is the loss you're still not over either as a player or as a fan?
1: Ooh, that's a good one. As a fan, oh, I mean the national championship game was just absolutely brutal. I mean that was that's something that dog fans are gonna have to live with for a long time if we can't get over the hump, which I think we most certainly will. As a player, though, I'm trying to think. Either the SEC championship in 11, even though we really didn't have a great shot to win that game, or you know, going out with the loss in the Outback Bowl to Michigan State in three overtimes. That one stung. You'd love to always go out on top. I cried like a baby after that game. I mean, locker room, it's over. Coach Lilly gave me a hug, and I just lost it, man. So that was um, that was a tough one. But even if we won, I probably would have cried as well. So that's uh, that's a tough one to say. What is your order at the Varsity? Order at the Varsity, two chili dogs for sure. Give me some fries. And then I'll probably just take a Diet Coke. I, I don't know if I could crush a frosted orange with that. I'm no stranger to
2: doing FO for sure. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs, yes or no?
1: No, I don't think so. You know, I don't mind a noon kickoff. I really don't, especially for the lesser games, if you will. I mean, I think it's unique because, one, you get to get up there. Hopefully it's a great day weather-wise. You know, maybe mosey into the game if that's your thing, but then you have a great day to tailgate. Tailgating in Athens is awesome. So if you can get out, Georgia's up by 30, you know, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. Go set up shop and get ready for that 3.30 game and just enjoy Athens. Like, I don't see why you wouldn't do that for the lesser games but uh, it seems like there are becoming less of the lesser games if you will so three thirty and six thirty seem to be the staples in Athens now
3: all right last one college football playoff expand to eight teams or find how it is no it's fine how it
1: is you know I think if it ain't broke don't fix it it's fun to argue about it and that's exactly what they want you know I think there needs to be more transparency from the committee that's all I'm asking for. Saw it this past season. like The moving of teams for no apparent reason when they haven't done anything to negate their standing in the college football playoffs rankings is crazy to me. I wish there was a camera with microphones so we could watch the committee delegate and deliberate over that. I mean, I don't even care if it was four and a half hours long. Put it on ESPN News. I guarantee you get good ratings. I just think there needs to be more transparency – as far as how they're doing the rankings, but four is fine because at the end of the day, and I know Georgia was five this year and they were five last year or whatever. Five is not as much well-suited to beat the top four. It's just simple as that. You saw LSU this year. it's so damn good. Clemson was really good too, but um, I think four is the right number. We just need a little bit more transparency for sure.
2: I want to piggyback off that real quick before we let you go, because I think you bring up an interesting point. And I think about it. Obviously, we're biased because we look through the lens of of red and black, right? Yeah. But I understood it after the 18 championship game where really we dominate Alabama and really have them right where we want them the whole game and then drop it late. And everybody had talked like they were the greatest team in the history of organized football. So for anyone to be, to even be within contention was a great arguing point for going to the playoff. I found it more interesting this year that after the drubbing that we took against LSU, it seemed like from what the committee said, there was legitimate discussion between four and five with Oklahoma and Georgia for the playoff, which. Almost blew my mind, really, because you kind of look at the SEC title game like a play-in game, essentially, which is fair or unfair. That's, that's what it is. So what were your thoughts on that? Because I, I found that interesting.
1: You know, I think, I, I think it was really one, two, and three this year. You know, four was kind of interchangeable. We talked about that a lot on our podcast as well. Like, it was so clear that LSU, Clemson, and Ohio State were the best of the best. Oklahoma was messing around with Baylor, almost lost to Army. Like, you, you could sense that they weren't there as a complete team. You knew Georgia could compete, right? And I thought if Georgia did somehow get in, and if Clemson were number one, then that could have been an op- interesting opportunity. Obviously, it wasn't going to happen unless Georgia beat LSU in the SEC Championship game, which would have created that matchup because I think Georgia would have matched up decently against Clemson. Um, but then when you're talking about LSU beats us, Clemson just absolutely steamrolls in the ACC Championship, obviously, and then Ohio State waltzes in the Big Ten Championship after having to come back from Wisconsin. It was clear, right? Like So this p- specific season, you know, Oklahoma wins the Big 12 – Pac-12, Oregon blew it by not beating Arizona State. I mean, it was kind of, hey, one, two, and three, doesn't matter who four is. It's not really going to make a difference because LSU is number one.
2: Well, we certainly appreciate you coming and spending some time with us, Drew. Guys, please go and download, subscribe, listen, rate, and review to Drew and Aaron's podcast, Punt and Pass. It's fantastic. Go give them a follow on all the platforms, Drew, Aaron, and Punt and Pass. Just great content. Drew, you are certainly a damn good dog, and thanks so much for, for spending some time with us
1: i appreciate you guys thanks for your time and uh, stay safe and healthy all right
2: thank you you as well that concludes our interview with former georgia punter drew butler boss what were your thoughts
3: uh drew was great I just like his podcast which we both are huge fans of I loved his gambling advice towards the end to, to to not parlay maybe i'll i'll take that up and start betting some games straight up here next season I loved his story obviously in the son of kevin butler kicker for the bears you know and that he really you know didn't get into football until you know, his, t- his high school team just couldn't kick an extra point and were losing by weird scores, which I just found fascinating that he wasn't going to be, he wasn't interested in football. Not that he wasn't interested in it, but he just didn't play and he played um, soccer and golf. And then because the, the high school team was losing games that he got into, into it and his dad, Got really excited, of course, you know, perked up with that. And then just that origin story, like you said, was very interesting to me. And then just the genesis of how obviously his career at UGA was great. And then he had the career in the pros. And we didn't get a chance to ask him about whether Honey Badger actually did drop the ball before he crossed the the goal line in the 2011 uh, SEC championship. But all Dogs fans probably know that if there was a pylon game, it probably would have shown he dropped it. But, you know, there's a good nature ribbon between those two. So it's good to still see, I mean, see that they're friends, you know, now after that, after being friends in Arizona. But Drew was a great interview, great guy, love his podcast. We'll continue to listen to it, listen to it every week. He's had some great guests recently as well. Been some great listening to being stuck in the house and doing yard work and stuff like that. I'm actually listening to it today, doing some yard work. So hope we can have him on again soon, you know, talk some picks, assuming there's a season. I really enjoy talking to Drew and hope we get to talk to him again soon.
2: Yeah, to your point, I thought Drew had just such a – a different origin story. I would have thought based on his his lineage with his dad kicking and, and having that going on in the family that, that he would have been playing football all his life. So to hear that he grew up playing golf and golf was kind of his first love and that's what he thought he was going to be doing. And then absent his high school team not being able to make an extra point, maybe his football journey never starts. Maybe he does pursue golf. So I just thought that was such an a cool backstory on how he came to be a punter and how, how he came to georgia also thought the tidbit about going to duke and then waiting things out and then finally getting a scholarship offer from georgia was great also thought it was cool to hear about his having teammates like cam hayward who georgia was going after and then doesn't end up getting so it opens up that slot for him so all those things kind of coming together was interesting it was also hearing his background and interest in broadcasting and the media side to things and how he was consistently pursuing those things all throughout his career and started doing dogs content when he was with the Cardinals you know on his own and then had done stuff with UGA Sports prior to that and just how he's continued to foster that it shows with the great product that they put out with punt and pass and you know like I said make sure and consume all of that follow all that the stuff they've been doing with the quarantine chronicles has been great they're just putting out content 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 and it's all been you know great guests and lots of pertinent guests as it pertains to what's going on a lot of different insights from folks so so give all that a, a follow uh, drew's on twitter at drew butler the podcast is uh, punt and pass on twitter and then same thing on instagram it's at drew butler and at punt and pass so thank you so much to drew for coming on we certainly enjoyed it drew's welcome back anytime to talk dogs talk spreads whatever he wants to do so he is certainly a, a damn good dog and, and we're proud of everything he's doing and we'll continue to follow him and root for him so with that go dogs sick him go dogs hey, george is better now <laughs>